remember Eat it hot or cold on Sunday Or you can put it in a blender Corn beef With chips or with salad It's corn beef Even Buckingham Palace eats corn beef Hey, why don't you try corn beef hash? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Undead Comic Cast, episode three. It's called the Undead Comic Cast because comics never die. I'm JB, and I have been watching a lot of Phoenix Knights recently. A lot of Phoenix Knights. Um, not entirely sure what brought it on. Uh, I think it was because Eve might have mentioned in passing that she couldn't really remember it. I found the entire two seasons of it, and we just watched it all. And to American viewers, and maybe our Central European uh, view, uh, viewers, I keep saying viewers, no one's watching, at least I hope no one's watching, uh, listeners, you might not have any idea what what I'm about, I wouldn't even suggest you watch it, because I think the comedy would go right over your head, I think it's very British comedy, and it's all to do with accents as well, you might, I think people would even understand what they're saying, anyone, anyway further down than, say, like, France. From France onwards, you've got no idea what they're saying. Cornwall, I'm not even sure would think what know what the Peter K is saying. But oh yeah, that song and a uh, heavy duty black pin bags on offer till December. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, in case you've never listened to one of these before, my name's Jay, and I used to do. Uh, a little bit of, I tried to do a little thing where I would do comic reviews on YouTube, but I didn't really enjoy doing it. I found this was the best way to do it, just on a podcast, me on my own. And if people listen, that's great. If not, I just enjoy talking about comics to myself anyway. Um, you might, this is either episode three, or you might be like, well, where's episode two if you're on an Apple phone? Um, because for some reason, iTunes deleted episode two on Apple. It's on Podomatic, uh, Stitcher, your favourite podcast app, the talknow.uk. You can see episodes one and two, but uh, the second one has gone from Apple. And that's because 10 days ago they messaged me and just said, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We can't do episode two. Um, Your link doesn't work, which it clearly does because it works on everything else. Um, And then when I resubmitted it, it just said, no, nothing's right. So I have resubmitted the entire podcast channel again to itunes so i i don't know if by the time this goes out whether it'll be sorted but yeah this is definitely episode three i haven't misnumbered it and we're gonna go over comics in january first so comics i read in january and i like to do a top five comics in january in no particular order so i've got and i'll upload the picture uh, probably when i upload this um we've had to move the house around because Super Bowl happened, um, we also we had a massive desk. I used to do this all up, which we borrowed off my uh, my parents um, for Eve to do her like her PhD. She's finished her PhD. We don't need the desk anymore, and so now I am sat on my floor, surrounded by comics, with my laptop, this microphone, and my little mixing desk. So bear with me, because sometimes you might hear me do this a little bit, and that's just because I'm trying to reach around to the one of many piles of comics I've got around me. Uh, right. So, in no particular order whatsoever, I want to start... Actually, the reason I probably want to start with this is because it stands out the most, and it came out the very end of January, so it counts, okay? It counts. 
Um, Guardians of the Galaxy number one. So, oh god. Oh, I got caught my own headphone there. Guardians of the Galaxy number one is by Donny Cates with Jeff Shaw and Marcy Crecia. And, oh my god, I loved it. I loved everything about this. Um, in theory, you would think it wouldn't work because the only two original members that we know of of the Guardians of the Galaxy, the classic members that are more familiar in mainstream, it's Groot and Peter Quill. And Groot can talk now. I've missed something. Groot can talk. I, I can't, I, I've missed something there. But what is fantastic about this is you don't miss anyone and you don't need to know why Groot can talk. Um, it lays the story out, the foundation of it very well, which is Thanos is dead, um, but Thanos has laid a trap that he may um, he is going to come back in the body of another person. And so all these cosmic superheroes have met up to decide what they're going to do about it. There's a massive... And then it goes from there. It go, from that point, there is a Guardians of the Galaxy form from that. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's not watched it, but everyone's in this. You've got... Howard the Dork, uh, is it Cosmo? It's Cosmo the dog? I think that's his name. Um, you've got the a Cosmic Ghost Rider who steals the show a little bit in this. I'm not going to lie. But again, it's not really Frank Castle. You can, but I don't think that matters anymore. Cosmic Ghost Riders took on this form where I really don't care that it's it, it's like this really over-accentuated Frank Castle, um, which almost seems very far away from Frank Castle as we ever knew him. I, I don't care. I really enjoy Cosmic Ghost Rider. Um, you've also got... Um, oh, what's his name? Oh, my God. I'm going to kick myself. The Horsey Thor. <laughs> what's Horse Thor called? Um, oh, you know what? That's going to bug me so much. I'm going to have to Google that. Horse Thor is called Beta, Beta Ray Bill, Jesus Christ. I knew it was like this mixture of a weird, a, like a common name and a uh, space name. But altogether, it, uh, th there's nothing not to like. The artwork is great. The panel work works. And it's just, even though it's just like this really, feels like it's a big story. This feels like this should be, I'm surprised this isn't a crossover or a Marvel event because it's a big, seems like a big story, especially following on from the Infinity Wars event. But, it's just fun. It's just really great to read. It was just great read. I just can't complain about anything about it. I'm looking forward to number two. So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Oh, not the mic there. Um, absolutely killed it. Brilliant. Uh, for number two, Hit Girl. Hit Girl has been by Raphael Albuquerque um, and Raphael <laughs> Raphael Scavone. Uh, Raphael Albuquerque, of course, doing the artwork, Scavone uh, writing it. And I think if you've listened to previous podcasts or if you've watched some of my early videos, the first four hit girls that came out, well, they were really bad. There was just pages and pages of her killing people, but with a, a storyline thinly threaded throughout it, like very thinly veiled, um, it really seemed just like an excuse to draw lots of people dying in horrible ways didn't enjoy it at all, really. But I pressed on because I knew that it was going to change writers. And at each four issues, it changes. I think Kevin Smith is going to do the next run, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but Scavone 
um, has done this where they're in, she's in Rome now, and it's got a bit of a, it's got like a, got um, I want to say kind of like a dogma slash Da Vinci Code uh, theme to it, which really works well. That I love stuff like that, and I think Raphael Albuquerque might be my favorite artist. I, I've I've had these problems with um, Chris, where he asks me about artists and writers. And I get so enveloped in the stories and the characters themselves, I almost forget. I forget who's wrote what. Like, I am quite far removed. I'm not good at remembering names anyway. And half these names, they are so, like, un-British names that it's hard for me to, you know, who's, who's going to be easier for me to remember the name of? Mark Miller or Raphael Albuquerque? I, it's just... I don't know why, it just, it's Mark Miller. Mark Miller sounds like a fucking comic character, to be honest. Mark Miller. Mark Miller. Um, but yeah, uh, the artwork is great. Like, he's, he's drawing all these horrific, horrific deaths. And I didn't feel like, in the, I felt like whoever was doing the first four was definitely drawing them. It was. I felt like it was almost sadistic. Like, he, he was really, he was getting off on it. Like, just really getting off on, like, oh, I'm going to draw it like this. Blah, blood coming out of his eye and his arsehole. Blah. But the, uh, Raphael is, like, making it, not, uh, for want of a better word, just uh, beautiful. Like, like just, and, like, action, and... I don't know, just, like, comic book... I don't know how to describe it without sounding a bit sadistic myself. But he's making me enjoy it, is what I'm saying. He's making me enjoy the, the kills and the deaths in this... They're kind of almost funny, but they are brutal. I'm not going to lie. The story's great. Um, I, I love these people that she's meeting along the way, that they don't stick around. But this one feels like she might ha linger a little longer. Um, but, yeah, Rat Hit Girl Rome was a really good, has been a really good read. And I'm I'm a, worried now because Kevin Smith has now got a follow-on from it. And to be honest, like I said, Canada was a little rough around the edges. But more or less good. Rome, spot on. So yeah, hit girl Rome. Really good uh, way to finish off January. Now, is it me? Or are we in like the golden age of Spider-Man? I'm currently reading Amazing Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man, Miles Morales Spider-Man. Um, I, I was tempted to pick up Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, but I felt like they... I just felt bad <laughs> I, felt, I felt like if i've just got any more spider-man comics it's just it, it, i'm not i'm not giving enough credit to other comics i think i feel like i should buy something else rather than friendly neighborhood spider-man but all three of these uh run uh hold on yeah i will pull back on that statement actually so two of these runs are great um miles morales We'll go with Miles Morales Spider-Man because I feel like in previous podcasts I've talked about Amazing Spider-Man. So we'll talk about Miles Morales Spider-Man. Miles Morales Spider-Man um, is been done by... Let me look it up because I'm, again, crap at this. Saladin Ahmed is the writer. Uh, and, J oh God, Javier Gallon is the artist. Um, I, don't, um, I think Garon is giving Otley a run for his money on the artist spec of drawing a good Spider-Man. It's the very similar styles. The, um, I know they've got like 
the same kind of like colorists uh, in, to keep it bright and vibrant. But I feel like how he draws, like how he draws large people, how he draws Spider Man, how he draws facial expressions. Although I would say maybe yeah, his faces are a little bit more plain um, than Otley's faces. It's great, and what's really good about Miles Morales Spider Man is. He's still in school. It is just like a, a classic Peter Parker. It's replacing. It's a modern day Peter Parker. He's in school. He's trying to, met, you know, juggle this school life with being also Spider Man, and he's been. To, he's teaming up now. He's teaming up with other people, and he's teaming up with uh, the Rhino, which is that's great. And the Rhino is just like this old haggard guy now. Can, can, you know. It's, if, in order for Miles Morales to exist and Peter Parker to have moved on from high school, comic characters have to age. So Rhino has aged a little bit and he just acts like... It's almost a bit like a... I want to say father figure, but not quite like that. But they do have a really unusual bond that I like. Um, I also like how they are... like Miles Morales is struggling. He's struggling to keep it together. He's not sleeping enough. He might, he may be Spider-Man. He may have super strength and web slingers and turn invisible, but he needs to sleep, and he's struggling because between his work life and his hero life, he's barely sleeping, and uh, it's really taking a toll on him. And that means that on top of that, there's another story. I'm not, I don't want to tell the main story, but there's some real evil. Actually, I am going to talk about the story because it's, it's, it's really quite apt appropriate it's it seems to be the to do with immigration in america and people being hauled away and i think obviously at this point in time in america that's quite an important subject but showing one how this can affect families and without you know don't stop thinking of them as statistical numbers think of these families as people and two when this sort of stuff happens where evil can creep in and like leak into the system as well um f thoroughly enjoyable and he's taken on a cast of uh like i said he this guy what's his name again again i'm sorry about this when it comes to names uh saladin ahmed yeah is just using a cast of old villains like classic uh, villains uh, grave grave robber gravestone is the as appeared as well and it's it is it's just it's just dead entertaining, but we do it, we are in this mad age of Spider Man right now. Where I mean, think about it, you got a Spider Man game, which was huge. Miles Morales into the Spider Verse came out huge. Um, everyone is pumped for the new Spider Man movie, huge. Um, Spider Man memes are everywhere. I feel like on the Talk Nerdy website we we repost memes. We 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 get sent and find. I have to hold back on a few because I get I just get sent and find loads of Spider-Man ones, like absolutely loads. I almost feel like Spider-Man's become the new Batman. Like, I don't think I think oh god, twenty years ago, if you'd shown the Batman logo to my mum and dad, they would have said that's Batman. If you'd shown them the Spider-Man logo, like the little his face essentially. I couldn't guarantee they would know. I'd like to think they would. But I feel now that everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Um, in one way or another, they, they know the hero, and they either know Peter Parker, and they 
if they're you know true heads, they might know Miles Morales. Uh, but isn't it amazing that it, it, I don't feel like Marvel have meant to fill this Batman-shaped hole. Like we're in this mad age of comics, and Batman's just nowhere. Like Batman is not anywhere. The, when was the last Arkham game out? Should we Google that? When was the last Arkham game out? Hold on. When was the last Arkham game out? According to Wikipedia, Batman Arkham Collection. On November 22, 2013, the Batman Arkham Collection was released in Europe. All right, shut up. But there you go. 2013. So six years ago, we had the Arkham Collection was released. So that, that implies to me that wasn't even a new game. So what's Batman been doing? What are DC doing with Batman? I mean, even in Titans, they didn't even... The, the, there was a big of a kerfuffle in Titans because for the final episode um, of the series, I'm not going to spoil it for people, by the way, so you can carry on listening, but in the final episode, there's maybe a cameo from Batman. And everyone was told it would just be... Don't expect, like, a full-face thing. It's like he's meant to just be in the background or whatever. And... A load of people kicked off because even though you don't see much of him, people said, I don't feel like that's looked too much like Batman, really. It looked lazy. And then someone got a photo of the um, the costume that the guy had been wearing. And it, it was so lazy. Like, you would have thought they would have just given him something. Like, you know, we'll spend a little bit of money. But it did look like, you know, in light and slapped together it, it, it didn't look scary at all it didn't look like that it just didn't look like batman and it, it i do feel like dc and warner brothers are just so con what's the word they're so content that batman is such a hot property they're not trying with him they're, they're putting their efforts into other ventures which is fine that's grand but the batman light is burning out a little i think um Comic-wise, he's not. Tom King's doing a fantastic run. We just had um, Batman Kings of Fear as well. That was great. He, he He's not disappearing there, but on, as a visual medium into the mainstream media, he is he is disappearing slowly, um, fading from... Because there's going to be a generation of kids now who they might be familiar with Batman, but... They might not know the Batman. Whereas, I'm telling you now, they know Spider-Man. They know Spider-Man. They know how he, why he is how he is. Why he says what he says. But, yeah, I, I feel like it, I'm amazed in this time when comic book, book movies are huge. Aquaman's made over a billion dollars. And they still can't get their shit together for Batman. We're getting an Alfred Pennyworth uh, TV series. Did I read that right? I was going to post that in a bit. I think we're getting an Alfred Pennyworth prequel TV series. Like, before Alfred was a butler, he's apparently, uh, which we were always told he was a soldier, but it's about him having something to do with catching Jack the Ripper, which I find very weird and hard to believe. Lemonade break. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... I'm really perplexed, and it it, it really, I, I read on all these DC forums that, oh, Justice League isn't getting the love it needs, and it released the Snyder Cut, and Batman v Superman's underappreciated, but I, I, stop putting your efforts 
into these these fallen ideas. These ideas haven't worked. Then there's nothing you're going to say that's going to make them rise to the surface right now. Start fresh, start new, just like that. Uh, is it James Wan did with um, Aquaman? He just went right. Let's forget everything. Let's really forget Justice League. Let's just make Aquaman Aquaman. And he's done a fantastic job. Do this with the Batman. Just do. And I know that Ben Affleck has passed the torch on to some. Uh, there's that the Batman film finally been announced, but for 2020, and we still haven't got an actor, and they still don't know whether is it going to be set in this DCEU. And I, 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 I don't care. But if it's not, all we know is the guy wanted to make it a noir film, which would be great. That'd be great, it, it, but they need to. This needs to hit home. It needs to work because Spider-Man's taken over as top dog, in my in my personal opinion. Um, Marvel have just actually announced that they're releasing a Spider a Spider-Man comic set in the Spider-Man PS4 universe, and so they're opening up a new universe, a gaming universe. And I think they're going to do that with future games based on characters. Um, kind of like how... Is it Injustice? Injustice is obviously set in this like game world. Um, because it's based on the game. And that's a fantastic comic, I've been told. But the, Spider-Man is going to be the lead on this. And they closed all the universes. They shut all the universes in, in Secret Wars. So... To go back and say, you know what? I know it's only been like five years, but maybe we could, maybe we should do a new universe. And to make Spider-Man the lead, and it shows the, how hot he is at the moment as a proper tar. So yeah, that's just my two cents on that. Um, oh, actually, and while t- we'll talk, we'll take a little short break from talking about good comics, and let's talk about. Superior Spider-Man. Superior Spider-Man is actually an entertaining comic. Before I go on this little rant, I've actually, I can appreciate it. I I get where it's coming from. Um, I think it's a hard character to write as well, and uh, it's it's the who's writing it? Who is it? It's uh, Gage. Uh, Gage and Hawthorne are doing it, and so it's not their character. So. It's quite, it's quite a challenge, but it's obvious it's a bit of a challenge. And I kind of feel like, again, this is one of those comics that has been made because he's a hot property. The same way Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, I kind of went, oh, why am I buying, why should I buy this? It's clearly just there to make money. Let's find a new, a new creative piece of work to dig my uh, teeth into. I am kind of feel like I'm being pulled along on this superior Spider-Man journey because of my love for that character. Because that was my, one of my first comics I ever really got into was Superior Spider-Man. And I, I do not think he's being done full justice, really. The artwork isn't great. Um, I don't think the dialogue is on point. I like the story, I'm not going to lie. I do like the story. And the uh, the quality of the paper and the ink that they're printing it on is awful. They, I, I, my, my original one's ruined. I, I got Superior Spider-Man, number one. I just hit the table angle there, and the ink came off in my fingers. So I've, I, I had to carefully read number two. I was really unsure about that. And but no other Marvel comics have done this. I just feel like they've cut a load of corners on this and just gone. Just just get a Superior Spider-Man comic out. It'll sell. It will sell. Let's do this. 
Yeah, but that's all. Just a little bit of a rant. Um, right. Um, so what was that? I did one. I did, uh, oh, there you go. Prodigy by Mark Millar and Raphael Albuquerque. And this is he, this is amazing artwork. I think it is the artwork that is really keeping me on this. Not to take anything away from Mark Millar's writing. Um, he's wrote in, in this particular in issue two. I know issue three is out by the time I'm doing this, but we're talking about January. Issue two, there's a really, really dark side story that happens uh, I, I'm not sure if it's a bit of I think we're getting a, it's a background on some villains he's going to have to face um, but it's dark and you do think you, you you want to lean towards that it's predictable and you know what's going to happen but the light doesn't come, there is no end to the tunnel it's a dead end and it's really dark and I really liked that because that makes me have quite a lot of hope for where he's going to take this character and what he's going to do with it because he's already uh, subverting expectations. I love I-, I love just how cocky he is. It is just like, if you like Sherlock, if you like House MD, um, if you like Iron Man, you will like this. It's He's not the most original concept in the world, you know, a, cre- a mad... Uh, mad is would it be an eccentric genius billionaire philanthropist um, who but he he likes to fight solve unusual mysteries like large uh, involving weird deaths and crime so it it does have its own thing I do think it isn't ripping it it's it's clearly an homage to these other things it's not ripping it off you know it's kind of wearing its heart on its sleeve and I would urge people to what read it because i think with him doing miller world if he writes enough of these it, it could get made into a show it isn't too obscene to have been to be made into a show and again Raphael albuquerque it it was in this particular issue that i realized that i went oh my god i need to see who draws this and it said Raphael albuquerque and i'm like holy shit that's amazing i love that this artwork and then i noticed he did was doing hit girl as well which i was enjoying i was like holy shit so, yeah, Prodigy, very, very uh, good comic that's just kind of come out of nowhere, really. Um, what what did I do? Prodigy, Spider-Man, Hit-Girl. Oh, God, so one more. Um, if I have a look around me now. There we go. Yeah, so I'll talk about this instead, Captain Marvel number one. I was going to talk about Life of Captain Marvel, but I am going to do a blog on that. So we'll talk about Captain Marvel number one by Kelly Thompson. This was a thick issue. Uh, coming off the back of Life of Captain Marvel as well, it's hard not to see that they're trying to maybe cash in on the fact that the Captain Marvel movie is going to come out. Um, I was concerned that that's all this would be. but there, And especially with Life of Captain Marvel being so... Not to give away my review, but I fucking loved it. Um, being such a, a great character piece on the, the the hero herself i was concerned where this would go and two things immediately hit me when i read this one i was taken straight back to the original captain marvel comics that i read um higher f- further f- faster um that was captain marvel and ms marvel oh hold on 
that's the lemonade making a reappearance. Um, Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel um, were about like my second or third loves, I reckon, when I started reading properly reading comics. So I stopped reading Captain Marvel after Secret Wars. When she went into space, I just felt it was a boring place to put her. She was fun for a bit, but then they put her just orbiting a space on a space station, and it just yeah didn't interest me. And then they did Civil War Part Two, which I didn't want to get embroiled in another event. Um, I just haven't read. So I was when they did Life for Captain Marvel. Thought really good, really good point to come back. But now I'm apprehensive where they're going, and I feel they've captured the magic again. This does just remind me in how the characters are drawn, in the color in the other characters coming in, like Iron Man uh, and Rhodey, that this is classic, to me anyway, uh, Captain Marvel. And the But the only thing that worried me was the way it ended. Were Not to give up, I'm not going to give away the ending, but everything I just said then, I don't think that can, is going to be an issue too. <laughs> I, did, I just don't think the way it's gone... It's, that's possibly any way how issue two can go. So I am a bit pensive about issue two, but issue one, great. Really great. And take it again as an opportunity to get into Captain Marvel if you've not done it before. The It's got... In fact, I said this um, to Chris. Iron Man is funnier and better written in this than in Iron Man, the comic right now. He's it, the, 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 I feel that Kelly Thompson has definitely got understands all these characters, and I wish I could see them write others. I'm reading Iron Man right now. I am enjoying it, but I, that's all I am. I'm just enjoying it. I don't think it's ever going to go down as a legendary run. I have a weird feeling, although I like I just said I'm apprehensive about where it's going from now. That the way that. She, Kelly is writing Captain Marvel that this could be one of those classic storylines and I would then like to see them do other stuff because to just get Iron Man so correct in a few panels would make me think give give them Iron Man give them Iron Man let them get let them run with that but yeah Captain Marvel number one lovely jubbly right Jelly Jelly are you there I don't know if you notice I'm disabled uh, again another Phoenix Knights reference well, I just oh move myself around, sitting on the floor with an absolutely dead ass. Um, I haven't read anything bad. I I I I'll be honest. Um, although a little bit annoyed at Heroes in Crisis, I have got to admit I I picked up number four and five and kind of got a little bit confused. Not too confused, but I was like something's amiss. And then I've just found out it's crossed over into Batman and the Flash. So that's a bit annoying. Because it doesn't even say that anywhere. No. Yeah. I hate crossovers. Just just put it all in one one comic, please. Just do that. Um and the Umbrella Academy has been <sighs> disappointing is a strong word, but lackluster. I feel that every issue Events happen, but there is no linearity to it. I feel like I want to say it's like I picture Gerard Way just 
spitballing the, all these ideas and someone writing them down for him um, and drawing them out. It's it, it's just like a child's story at the moment, like going, and then this happened, and then this person was doing this. Oh, by the way, this person was doing that. and It just feels all over the place. It's really messy. Um, I'm hoping if it ties... But this could work if it ties together by the end. Great, but he famously hasn't tied these together. He's left them a little open-ended. But then that's been, that's been okay because the... Uh, the line linearity that he did have, what literally did have going through of the story, um, kind of like made up for it. But now there's just none. So that's been a bit disappointing as well. Um, so we might as well just get to the meat and potatoes, as Chris would say. Which I always think is funny, Chris says meat. Oh, let's get to the meat and potatoes, because as a vegetarian... He definitely, it, it's not the meat and the food, but he should say, let's get to the uh, the corn and spuds. Corn and spuds. Batman. But which Batman? Because I picked up Batman, Detective Comics Rebirth Deluxe Edition number two, and Batman Rebirth Deluxe Edition number two of the just the solo Batman run. And Chris is going to be annoyed. I'm going to be talking about. Detective Comics. I love Detective Comics. Chris says I just say that just to be the guy who, like, oh, you say you like Detective Comics. No, not at all. This is this is so much better than Tom King's Solo Run. Not to take anything away from Tom King's Solo Run, but there's things about this that are. Um, how can I just? How can I say this? I feel the characters that are all in this i love characters development i think it's a really important part of comics and that the heroes and the adventures should almost be in the background to what's happening and that's why i think batman the animated series was so successful because each story was uh, episode was almost like a character piece about a bad guy with batman just happening to be in it um i feel batman's main run like the the battle of jokes and riddles i was majorly looking forward to but hated it because Joker's not really the Joker. He's forgotten how to laugh, and that's boring. It's not like an oh, and he's forgotten how to laugh. What will he do now? It's just boring. He just, I'd like seeing the manic look on his face because it kind of made him hard to read. But he just looked, he looked boring, and because he was bored by what was going on, I was bored by what was going on. Riddler, I've never been. I love the Riddler in, in some mediums i've seen him in but not in this he wasn't good and i hated how it was all drawn absolutely hated it i i felt like they couldn't decide whether they wanted it to look real or not and then the constant stuff with um kite man as well was really annoying but detective comics is really nice and i might have to pause this here because i think my beautiful girlfriend has come back from a little walk with my mum Sorry about that. Had to, uh, got slightly interrupted there, but we're back. This is weird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> this is weird. I, I, I don't do this when Eve's in the house. So, I don't know how I'm going to act now. I'm going to be a bit quieter, probably. Which I shouldn't be. I should just be, I should just be me. But, can't help it. I just want to shout all about Batman. Which, she's probably sick of me. She hears me shout about Batman. The other 23 hours of the day, so on this particular hour of the day, probably just 
my grace out of it. Anyway. Anyway. Yes. What was I saying? Where was I? Because I did. I just cut it there. I had about a good 20 minutes of conversation with my mum. Um, I want It was characters. It was, I remember Tom King characters. That was it. So we picked a, a kite man. So all the... Oh, I feel in Tom King's room, he's writing these these stories, which are original, they're great, involve Batman and everything, um, but they are stories, and Batman's in them. Whereas I feel Detective Comics is actually, things are happening to characters, and we're watching these characters deal with these things, and the stories and Batman are in the background themselves. So... At the end of uh, the deluxe edition of Volume 1, the only two characters I hadn't really got on board with was Orphan and uh, Azrael, uh, who showed his face a little bit. By the, the first thing this book does is pick up with Orphan. It just makes an Orphan story, which made me go from having been kind of like disinterested and not bothered about the character altogether... To, I I love Orphan now. I'm really interested in Orphan. I th- I, th- I think it was really deep. I I, I love her camaraderie. I think she, she's a very interesting character, brave for Batman to take on under his wing, um, and I really felt for her during the story that she was involved in. And then it carries on to Azrael, which picking up with the uh, Hit Girl Rome thing that went. It was very Da Vinci Code ish because of his background and it made it much more interesting where he was coming from and it's building by the way this whole thing is building each character story has led to um some kind of thing batman's kind of realizing there's some really big event coming up um in both he alludes to his main storyline with tom king what's been happening in detective comics and other things like metal um, which we don't speak about metal. That was awful. Um, but, yeah, to focus more on this particular book, the Deluxe Edition, I think the Deluxe Editions should just be what you buy. They're, they're pretty cheap for what they are. You get in... You get in what issues are you getting in this? You get issues... 950 to 962. So 12 issues are in this. Which So trades are normally about six issues each. And you get in the you get the odd little um, one shot as well that appears in the, but you get everything, you get absolutely everything you need. And rather than like a trade where you get to the end and go, oh, I need more, it just seems to, it just seems to be the right amount of, of Batman. And honestly, I I, I eat through these. Um, some great characters appear in this run. So uh, the bad guy, uh, you've got Shiva appears, which is bloody lovely and you've got the uh, the priest of saint dumas so isn't again detective comics isn't going for the traditional batman uh, villains that tom king is going and it does make it more interesting it, it makes it more i don't know street level i would say even though we're dealing with angels and demons and you know clay face who's a giant mom- anthropomorphic not anthropomorphic just Momorphic um, creature, it almost makes it quite real. Um, I, again, you've got to love all the the chemistry between all them. Batwoman is Batwoman is amazing. I'm, I'm, Batwoman is the reason I want to watch the CW. When they announced that Thursday on a Batwoman show, I'm like, crap! I'm gonna have to. 
I'm going to have to watch a lot of CW to catch up with this. I might not. I might just jump straight in. I might just watch Batwoman because she kicks ass in this. She's technically, she should be the weakest of the team. If we go through the team, um, let me think. Hold on. So Clayface is capable of a lot. Um, he does struggle with his powers because the more he uses them the weaker he gets somewhat but because Batman's training him he's very powerful so very strong member next Orphan it's just a, a human weapon uh, that can prob in, that can beat Batman and Batman has had to train to not kill because she can just see kill points she could she could kill so yeah powerful uh, Batman obviously um, but Night, no, not Nightwing. Um, what is the? That's the one character that is a little left to the sidelines in this one. Is it Batwing? Batwing. I actually hate Batwing's name. I think it sounds like, I don't know, in other cultures or in other countries, um, but Batwing is what he used to give the name, and to your your nan's saggy skin under her arm, the Batwings. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do think he's got like a really crap name. But he, he's a little left to the sidelines in this. But again, he, he could, in theory, take out Batwoman because he's got an Iron Man suit. That's Batman. Um, so Batwoman is technically the weakest link. But, but she holds her own and she's amazing. And at not any at any one point, you don't what you're not what reading it and going, oh god, Batwoman's gonna get in the way. You're actually hoping if they say Batwoman's on the way, or you see her on the page, like, all right, Sam, she's gonna kick ass, and she does. I mean, I I get it. It's a story. It's fiction, but and I get it that it, it has to go with the plot. If the plot needs her to do something, she can do it, so to speak. But it never puts her on this grandiose pedestal. She can't, you know, do magic. She can't do, you know. I think in one one of these issues i think she gets shot or she gets stabbed quite bad um and she's taken down that's simple as that but that's what makes her more again it keeps the street level dynamic and i love street level dynamics so yeah detective comics um deluxe rebirth volume two has been my trade in month absolutely loved it um there's not really too much more to talk about other than that i've just um we are going to do uh, this Sunday. It's going to be very interesting. We're doing our first podcast, uh, not in the Talk Nerdy HQ, as I just disclosed to you. The this HQ has been uh, completely moved around. I'm sat on the floor now, and it's not really suitable for um, doing podcasts with large groups of people. And we are going to have a large group of people. We're going to have uh, Dan Bibby and the Aesthetic Knobs come in. Uh, it's a band that I play in. I'm just the bassist for Dan Bibby is a singer. Uh, Dan Morrison is the guitarist, as he's been previously on. And Peter Jones is not a member of Dragon's Den, nor is he uh, Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything, as he does very much look like him. He is our, uh, the drummer. But one thing they all have in common, and that, what I've noticed from uh, rehearsing with them, is, man, they, they really have a thing for the prequels. Like real, like I feel like ninety percent of our conversation is based around prequels, quotes, 
scenes talking about the prequels and dogs. Now, dogs aren't relevant on this, but we can talk about the prequels. So we're going to do our February Fantastic Prequel Spectacular. I'm going to do it at Dead Crafty, uh, which is this bar in Liverpool, which has been kind enough to let us uh, just have the downstairs completely. So me and Gaz will be with Dan Morrison, Dan Bibby and Peter Jones being fed fine craft ale um, and talking about the prequels. We're not going to talk trailers. We can't talk about the trailers because we won't have a TV screen. I might talk about some news if I think it's remotely relevant, but I have, I have a feeling that the amount of mouths there and brains who want to talk about the prequels, especially me being one of them, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be great. Um, don't forget to go to www.talknerdy.uk to just check out all the latest blogs, uh, vlogs, uh, podcasts, because obviously we've got the glass review up. Uh, we're going to be seeing Alita Battle Angel tomorrow, so that should be up as well about the time of me posting this. Um, you know you know all the usual stuff. Just go check out or check it all out. Go and, and check it all out. I can see when you're checking it all out, and it's great. There's loads of you going on, so that's why I'm trying to put more and more on there to keep you coming back for more, you little vampires. But until then... Um, I've been JB, I've been talking nerdy, and this has been the Undead Comic Cast, where comics never die. (laughs) 